Well, guys, welcome to the Hunt Pack Country podcast. In this special edition, kind of a series, if you will, where we are celebrating five years of the podcast by picking five of our favorite episodes from our time. So again, this isn't uh, necessarily the best of. I don't know that we could pick the best five episodes, but for Steve and I personally, we wanted to pick five of our favorites. That list definitely would not be complete without Paul, the Elknut Medell. We have had him on the show numerous times, as you'll hear about in this episode, and also we mentioned some of the previous episodes he was a guest. But Paul's um, enthusiasm for hunting, for elk hunting specifically, is just so infectious. And you pair that with a guy who has spent an unbelievable amount of time not only hunting elk, but also just studying them in the off-season by spending time in the field and being around elk and just understanding them from observation and years and years of experience. And when he shares it, uh, that enthusiasm and that knowledge come together in a unique way that is unmatched. And so he is definitely one of our favorite guests to talk to. A few of the things that I love personally and have learned from Paul is that when it comes to calling elk, it's more than just making noise. It's it's not even just calling, it's calling and listening. You have to listen to what elk are saying, listen to their inflection, if you will, and understand the circumstance, and then try to best know how to call from there. So it's a two-way street. It's not just broadcasting bugle, 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 bugle. It's really trying to interpret a situation and look at factors like is this bull with cows? What time of year is it? What type of pressure has they have they seen? And really understanding how to best approach situations with other factors. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where there is a lot of information anytime Paul is speaking. Uh, even in going back and listening to this episode recently, I pulled so much from it. So if you've heard this before, it is worth hearing again. This conversation took place a couple of years ago with Paul. It was originally episode 138, and we are glad to bring it to you guys again today. Before we replay that for you, just want to be sure to mention again, we are doing a giveaway to celebrate five years of the podcast and giving away five prize packages. The only way to enter that is to look at the show description for this episode in your podcast app and click the giveaway link. It'll take just a couple of seconds to enter, so be sure to do that, and we want to reward five of you guys with some prizes from Exo Mountain Gear and Hunt Backcountry Podcast. All right, here is Paul Mandel. Buckle up, prepare for some elk knowledge, and best of luck this season. Here we go. Paul, welcome back to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I think this is the third or fourth time now. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Steve, how's it going, man? I'm good. It's always a, a great day when we got Paul on the podcast. Good, yeah, <laughs> good morning, 30, Steve. 30 <laughs> days until uh, September, and, and uh, Paul's about as uh, animated and excited as it gets when it comes to elk hunting. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, for listeners that might be new, uh, you know, we've had you on the podcast in years past. I looked back. It's episode 36 and 37 which was a couple of years ago, and then last year in episode 93. So if you want to learn more about Paul, maybe some of his background and hear more from him after this episode, go back and check those previous episodes. But Paul, I want to dive straight into something. At the beginning of 
the last episode we recorded with you last year, you said there's no bad time to hunt elk. And I specifically want to talk about what some people would say are bad times. So specifically, I want to talk about bad weather or bad timing. What any suggestions, tips, strategies for when weather is bad? And this could be kind of in two big buckets. One is it's super hot in September or two, maybe it's super wet or something like that. So do you have any thoughts on that in terms of making the most of those opportunities and those conditions? Well, it depends on the dates. You know, if we're talking in the very first part of September, then that would certainly play a big part in my mind of how I would approach it as opposed to the 10th on. You know, then I, I know I'm going to get in some bugling action and, and, and it's pretty predictable. You will sooner or later if you keep moving. But early on, that's not necessarily the case. So I may, you know, strategize a little bit different. But when we're talking rain, I'm not out there. I get out of it. I'm yeah. talking a lot of rain. I'm right. not talking, you know, some little short downpours here and there and some off and on stuff. But when it's heavily coming down, the animals don't even like it. They don't move. And if you were fortunate enough to get one in and hit it, I've done it a couple of times. And the blood trail's tough. And, you know, unless that sucker falls down in your eyesight, and it doesn't always – I remember one my, my son hit, and I mean, we traveled this thing for, we tracked it for over a mile and a half, and the rain was horrible. It was coming down so bad, but what do you do once you make contact like that? You have to follow it through. But so hard rains, I don't like it. Hot weather, I can deal with hot weather because it doesn't matter. It seems like here in Idaho, I mean, it's nothing to have 75 degrees. You guys know that. You've hunted it, and sometimes 80s. And you just deal with it. I mean, yeah, the, I think the elk are a little more lethargic at that time. If there's no cows in heat, they're more lethargic than normal. When no cows are in heat and you have that that kind of frisky weather where you see horses even out in the fields, you know, feeling their oats and, and prancing around, elk can do the same thing. And they'll bugle here and there because their testosterone levels are rising. And they're ready to breed. And so they will bugle here and there to one another or locate or advertise themselves trying to build their harem. So, you know, but when you get hot, super hot, they seem to get lazy like I do. You just get out there and, man, you just want to – you just don't hit things as hard. So as far as, you know, strategy, it would depend if it was early or late. What's my target animal? You know, me, I don't want to shoot anything less than a five-point. That doesn't mean everybody is like that. So if my target animal is that, I have to go straight to strategies that are going to target branch antler bulls. And that's what I do. If I want to, if I'm talking to someone or, or I'm going to hunt with somebody that says, man, Paul, I've only killed two or three elk and some none, I'll take anything. So see, my target now changes and so does my calling strategy. I do not use the same calling strategy for any elk as I do for branch antler elk. So my odds rise by using strategies for one or the other. So all depends on the animal I'm after at that time. Yeah. And we'll get into more of the calling strategy, I'm sure. So even if it was, say, a warm spell later in the year, those elk mm -hmm. might be a little less active, but you still think you're going to be able to get on bugling bulls and you wouldn't revert to something like sitting wallows or sitting water. Very rare. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't really care for sitting. I'm a, I, I, you know, I have killed elk right around a wallow, water sources. I've tree standed elk. I've done, I've killed them with a muzzleloader, longbow, recurve, uh, a, a compound with everything there is out there. And you, you, you come to find out that there are certain things that are your strengths. 
And the reason they're your strengths is because this is what you enjoy doing. You enjoy doing that part. And that's why mine is calling. I'm all about calling. It doesn't mean sitting the other, uh, doing the ambushing and spotting, stalking, tree standing don't work. It just does not, it's not as exciting to me. I like the ultimate challenge of beating them at their own game. And I think this is why we differ so much more so than everybody else out there. Yeah, there's some really good elk killers out there. Don't get me wrong. Corey's one of them, and he's a good friend of mine. He's a, I mean, the guy's a slayer. That's all there is to it. But I look at, I want every elk. I don't like doing a one or two or three thing, and if it doesn't work, I look for another one. I want that elk in, and I will do everything possible to adjust my calling to fit that bull right there because I want him in. There's no way. I want 10 out of 10. There's none of this two out of 10 business or three or he's not cooperating <laughs> today. I will force him to cooperate, and, 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 and it's all by reading him. You know, it, it, because when elk are, are, are – I know I don't want to get too far ahead, but when elk are, <laughs> are communicating – they're changing their emotion or the tone of their sound, and that's all they're doing. Sometimes people get, get the wrong idea, and they think when I say use a nervous grunt or use a challenge or use a roundup that we're talking about elk communicating with words. Well, they're not, obviously, and neither are we. We're communicating with sound, just like if you were listening to your dog and your dog gave a yap every 30 seconds, big deal. But what if he started going, you know, hey, wait a minute, there's something going on. I can check this out. All by the emotion or the intensity of his sound change. That's what I'm doing with elk. When elk are locating, their tone is very laid back. If they're trying to round up and they're trying to communicate with a cow and trying to pull her over, maybe a hunter cow calling, you'll notice he ramps it up or amps it up just a little bit in his vocalization. He shortens it and a little more power. If he gets upset or frustrated, he shows a little more. Until he finally gets to challenges and lip balls where those are the ultimate sound that an elk, an elk will use to get their message across. So I'm playing on all those things. And I'm sure as we get into this podcast, I'll show you exactly what I mean, how those sounds can represent a, a different message and how we play on it and how it actually turns out that we will literally call an eight or nine out of every 10 bulls. And I've done 16 out of 16, but uh, and these are all over the counter public land bulls, but you got to be patient. When you work these bulls, if you think you're going to walk in there with a sound or two and it's going to take place in five or six minutes, you're, you're sadly mistaken. You have to know how to pl slow play some of these lethargic bed bugles, one bugle in the morning, maybe two or one before daylight. That's a dead bull. He's toast. I'm going to get that bull. And, and, it's a, and it's a tactic that I use, it, and it works all the time. It doesn't make any difference. And I'll share it with you guys when, when the time comes here. Yeah, we'll get into it for sure. I'm curious, just on this topic of thinking through kind of some of the beginner frustrations we hear a lot um, in terms of bad timing, what what should we do in elk are quiet? So we're out there, we're just, you know, we're in it for two to three days, we're not hearing responses, we're not hearing much vocalization, maybe even at night. Is that a situation where you're just moving or are you changing your tactic um, and trying to get something going? No, I don't change anything. <laughs> it stays the same. And, and, and you know, when I when I make a comment like that, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Okay, stay safe, blah blah, and you move on. No, the reason it does is from experience. I mean, it's been close to forty years since I've hunted them, and so when you can look back at what works and what don't, 
then you kind of you stay away from the things that don't work. You kind of avoid them. It doesn't mean you never consider them, but you, for the most part, you push them to the side and you start sticking with the things. I remember back when, blah, 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 and these back whens are piling up. There's a lot of them. And so I have a lot to root through. So there's a lot of experience there of what works when these elk are quiet, and that's my forte. That is when I absolutely love to hunt elk the most, when they shut down. And, 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 and because that's when I'm going to call them in. And I get excited about that. Why? It's a tremendous challenge to call in elk that don't want to say anything. And I'm going to call bulls in. I'm not calling cows in. And for the most part, you know, there's no recipe out there that always says you're going to call a bull in. But I've got it narrowed down of the sounds to use that will attract bulls before cows or spikes. You know, as far as my odds are good in that in that direction. And so that's kind of what I'm doing there. So building on that experience and going in for quiet elk. Yeah, you can sit water. You can sit trails and there's nothing wrong with that. And as a newer hunter, I would not set my sights too high. You know, feel free to take the first cow that comes in. I'm not a fan of shooting calves or anything. I'm not going to tell anybody not to, but personally, I, I would not mess with those because cows are easy enough to kill. They really are. If I have one day, I can go out there and basically kill a cow. I, I would put money on it because it's that easy to get them. There's so many more of them, and their curiosity is tremendous, and they're a herd animal. And so they're much, much easier to bring in because there's more of them than there are the bulls. But as far as a, a tactic, I'm going to call them because this is my strength and this is what I enjoy doing. If I just want to kill an elk as a, as a new hunter, here are the two things I do. And if you do this for three days, you're going to draw your bow back at least six times. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you hunt. If you follow these two things right here, you are going to be shooting at an elk. And it could be a bull because with these, this strategy, it is one where – Anything can show up. That makes it great and exciting for a new hunter. The same as if you take a kid out fishing and he's only six years old. He doesn't care if he catches a 10-pound trout. He'd rather catch 30 perch two inches long because he's, you know, he keeps him busy. He's excited. There, he sees some results. This is what newer hunters need. Yeah, they need to work out. They need to look, you know, and, and get the right gear in the pack. And yeah, they need all that. But that's not what keeps your excitement and your motivation up to keep pushing and pushing. And when that alarm kicks on the third morning you haven't seen anything it's hard to get up you're rustling each other and you're hoping the other guy doesn't wake up you know what i mean the, we all go through that stuff but when you start seeing elk come in if all you do is this as a newer hunter learn the cold calling sequence and learn the creative cow calling sequence just learn those two they're simple as pie and what you're going to do is you're going to apply a cold calling or a blind because there's nothing talking. And you're going to apply that near as close as you can find a feeding area, anything. And, and you don't have to be close. I've called elk well over a half a mile to three quarters of a mile away. You just have to be patient and, 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 and stay in that one spot. But if you stay with that in within a feeding area of the proximity and they're not that hard to find all you got to do is find trails being used and you're going to find fresh sign fresh tracks moving to and fro and most of those tracks are going to a feeding area back to the bedding area yeah they may hit a little water thing in between but those are where they're going they're going to destinations so follow them back one way or another once you find fresh sign and you're going to get in an approximate area where they're feeding the feeding areas are generally lower than the bedding areas so if you find something like that you're going to sit there and do your cold calling sequence. And I show it right in the app. I mean, there's a video clip of me doing it on there for about four or five minutes, showing people how to set up the sounds to use. And if you use that right there, you will have great 
you'll have response for it. Response meaning physical appearance. Now, once it hits 9.30 or so, I don't do it right there anymore because these elk leave that area and go to the bedding area. And to me, that's the place to kill them. That's the number one spot because you have a a captive audience from about 10 o'clock to 6 o'clock. They do not move from those areas. They stay in that vicinity. So if you can find the bedding area, and they're easy to find. I, I show on the app how easy they are to find. Find the bedding area. That's where you set your roots down, anywhere from 200 yards to a quarter mile away. It doesn't matter. You just have to make sure the wind stays in your favor. But set up and go through that creative cow calling sequence and don't move. These elk will show up. They're herd animals. They don't know who you are. And they will end up just drifting over and they'll get up from their beds and they'll come over to check you out. Almost never do they call. They don't say anything. They just show up. But if you were to use and employ those two little tactics right there at one near the feeding area, one near the bedding area, and you do that for several days, you will have elk come in time after time after time. And if they bugle or cow call their way in, that's fine. You know, it's a bonus, but don't expect it. So things like that right there. Now, if I want a bull, I'm not going to use either one of those sequences. Right, this is for a newer hunter that is interested in just having elk come their way. Yeah, let's focus on that one just for a little bit. That cold calling you mentioned near feeding area and then, mm-hmm. you know, first morning and then maybe in the evening as well. Begin to unravel. I know you go into detail in the app where guys can learn more about it and see it. And as you mentioned here, this whole sequence for minutes on end. But what type of vocalizations are we saying here? How should we uh, begin to initiate this sequence? Yeah, it, 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 all you have to do is learn some cow calls. You know, if you want to throw in a, a, a bull bugle here and there because you want to, you don't need to. Just the cow, sound, cow sounds alone will initiate an appearance from other elk. And, and, and the reason it works so well is because, like I mentioned, elk are herd animals. What does that mean? That means they're not like deer. A deer you can find here and one here and one in this pocket. They just, they're not a herd animal. They don't hang together like an elk. And so the things that go through a herd animal's mind, like cattle, like horses, elk, they need to know who the other elk are in their area. They just have to know. That's just how they are. And they'll hang in larger groups many, many times until the rut hits and it splits them up. But they still have that same desire to know who these other elk are. And so by you imitating a little group nearby them makes it convenient for them to get up. It's a non-intimidational uh, structure. You're, there's no challenges. There's nothing like that for them to, to be warned from. So you're not really talking to them and you're not inviting them, but you're just merely letting them know there's another group out there not very far away. And they don't know who you are and it drives them nuts. They need to come and see who you are, who these new elk are. And that's what brings them over. They're not coming over to fight. If you've ever called elk in using a cold calling sequence, you'll notice their behavior as they come in. They're kind of in search mode, maybe 50, 60, 70 yards. I don't really see them, but I can hear them because I always set up where an elk comes to me. He must be in bow range before I can see him or it. Or they can see the source of my calling. And that's a real important thing for a setup. You cannot allow elk to see where the calling is coming from outside of your bow range or they hang up. That's where they stop. And a lot of times you'll hear them give that nervous grunt and they, because they're, they're asking for a visual. They want to see you. 
they're not trusting what they're hearing. And so, or they're looking where they should know they should see something, and you guys are all hidden. You're hidden behind some little dinky thing, but they can look right past or all around it because you represented five or six elk. They're not that dumb. And so I make sure I, 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 I take that out of the equation. I do not give them the luxury. Of all the elk that we've killed, uh, my son and I were talking one day of how, what's our average distance that we're killing these elk. And, we, and Paul and I have killed 61 in 27 years. And the average shot is 23 yards. That was the best that we could come to as far as the distance. So these elk, they come close. I mean, we hardly ever take a 40-yard shot. I mean, we just don't. We pull them in. We pull them in real tight. And especially if we're hunting with a longbow or recurve, you know, then we try to get them in that 25-yard or under. So putting them in search mode with a good setup is so, so important, you know, when you're, when you're working these elk. But play on the fact that they're a herd animal. That is just a huge, huge key and have the confidence that they are going to come to that calling. And as far as the, the sounds, I mean, I'm using cow sounds, calf sounds, just working it up and rustling the brush. Sometimes I'll even run back and forth 10 yards, just smacking things. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to build this illusion in other elk's mind that there's elk over there and they're dinking around, they're playing. And, and then I let it die down and I may wait five or six minutes and bring it back up again. And uh, this just lets them know I'm still there. I haven't moved. So we're relaxing now. We're bedding up. We're finding a little spot right there. We're not moving off. We're elk that are going to stay there. And so as I play this out, and I'm, I'll play this out for an hour. I mean, I, don't, I won't mess around because I know it can attract them. And I brought elk from so far away. You think, oh, they got to be within 200 yards. No way. They will come a long distance. And so stay in there. And keeping your head on a swivel and not rooting through your pack and drinking water and thinking because you think you, you get lazy after 10 or 15 minutes and you think, oh, nothing's going to come. But you can't think like that. Once you have them coming in, you'll see exactly what I mean. It's much easier now to stay focused once you start seeing the results, you know, some positive results. But as far as the sounds, you, I'll, I'll make a couple. Is that all right with you? Oh, sure. All right, here's the kind of sounds, and like I say, if I'm going to use a bugle in there, I'm not really representing, in this situation, I'm not representing there's a cow coming into heat, and so the bull will react a, a certain way. I'm not really doing that because it's not a big deal right now. I'm trying to focus on any elk out there. And so the, the normal sounds would be like this. And if there's a couple of you doing that, and again, you're you're making it real by rustling things around, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just kind of just the cows are talking to each other. That's all you're really doing. You got a cow, you got a cat. They're just moving around, and of course, I'm casting it here on the internet, trying to do it on the microphone. You can't do that, so I'm casting it left. I'm casting it right. I'll do a few through my tube. I'll cast it behind me. And if you've ever practiced this. If you haven't, man, you guys got to do it so you really see how cool it is. Have somebody stand out there about 80, 100 yards away while you do it. And as you're casting them around and some through the tube and not, you cannot believe how realistic it sounds. It's not like the guy standing next to you at three feet. And if it's not realistic enough, the guy come back in and he'll tell you. 
oh, well, you got to this point and did this and this. It was much better than that or that. So I like to tell people to practice these things before they go in the woods and make that their practice place. Do it back at home. You don't even have to be in the woods. But others will hear you, and then they can you know, critique you to tell you, here's what you were sounding the best at. Do this and this. And I'll tell you what, when you get two or three guys and they're doing that out there, you guys sound like hell. I mean, you really do. And so this is what pulls them over. And you don't have to be perfect with it. Because they'll come in different ages, yeah. you know, one and a half. I mean, they all sound a little different. Some are mature. You know, they, they, they don't. So don't worry about if you have a few bird chirp sounds in there. Just keep going. And, and it can definitely fool elk. But again, this is just creating an atmosphere that there's elk there. And it can pull a bull over, sure. I mean, it can pull anything over. But most of the time, it's pulling what's the most out there. And it's those cows. And... You know, if you're looking for that, man, this is a very, very interesting and fun way uh, to do it. And, of course, going through the sequence of continually calling and moving around and casting it around, that's that's making it real out there to, to other elk that hear. And like I say, if you want to use a bull bugle in there to say there's a bull in it, you can, but it's optional. It's It's not a big deal. But if you do... Just use something kind of wimpy because it's that state of mind. They're not challenging and screaming and doing all this at that point. So fit in with your calling, and it's much more natural at that time. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting because we've we've had questions from listeners about specifically hunting cows, or you know, they've basically asked, you know, all of the talk on all of the tactics is only about killing bulls. What are some good strategies if you're willing to kill any elk? And it sounds like this is one great strategy to do that you know it's a it's a way to advertise yourself and really get a response from almost anything that might be there yeah you know and it's been around for years it's no secret i mean i can remember jim horn talking about a silent calling thing and we both came out with a cd almost at exactly the same time his was about four or five months after mine but he'd been using it for a while and it's just a silent calling or a cold calling, blind calling routine. You know, you've heard it on, under different names. So this isn't somebody, you know, this isn't reinventing the wheel or anything. It's been around a while, but a lot of people have gotten away from it. And, it, you know, there's so many new hunters, you know, Mark and Steve, that, that, that maybe they've never even heard of it. And, you know, believe it or not, there are those types of folks out there. So it's good to probably refresh memories and let people know that you don't have to know how to make every sound an elk makes in order to have some success and an enjoyment out there. If it's you, another friend, your kids with you, you can spread apart. You know, two guys, if there's two, they can be 30 yards apart and calling back and forth, simulating this. If there's three, you can get in a triangle and you guys can start calling. And if an elk starts coming into one of you, you shut up. And this lets the other two know, hey, so-and-so just stopped calling. There must be something coming and it kind of keeps you alert. And, and so now you're trying to focus your attention in that direction and draw something over. Or, you know, if there's four of you, you can get in a rectangle. You know, you don't have to all sit right next to each other. And, and when somebody stops from this calling sequence, and this is the stuff you discuss before you ever get out there and do that, it, it alerts the others. And so everybody's on watch now because just because one stop doesn't mean the elk's going to come to him. It could circle around and somebody else, but at least it'll, it makes you aware of what's going on. And those are fun things to do. If you guys have ever done that, they're fun. You, you can't believe how many elk Paul and I have let go, just the two of us, call, you know, hundreds of them over the years because it's not what we wanted. But it, they just start filtering in and they're sneak and they're in search mode. When elk come in like that, 
it's so funny to watch them because they are looking so hard. They know that diamond in the rough is just right there, but they can't see it. And I've never used a decoy for any of this. And I mean, these elk, I've had elk walk within five yards of me. And you could have taken all kinds of them from that standpoint, but they will just keep coming. But if you're after a bull and you use that sequence, you're in big trouble because those elk eventually will find you. They will search you or get behind you. You don't want them to, but, and they're going to win you. So this is one of the biggest reasons why I will not use that on bulls. I just won't use it. I have another tactic that just flat kicks their butt. And so that is the one that I focus mostly on. If I'm going to use that tactic as a cold calling, and I do at times, it will generally attract the bulls first. So anyway, that is one of the tactics and the, and the creative cow calling you would use in the bedding area. It's very similar to it. It's just that you're staying there longer. And I do like uh, injecting a bull sound into that one. It just gets more creative. And when I'm saying bull sounds, guys, I'm not talking about bugling here. Not, no way. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what a cow, what a bull would sound like as he's feeling the change in him and he's ready to breathe. And you've got to think like an elk. You can't just ring bugles out. You, you Sometimes you'll come into these areas and you'll hear these bulls and these are around the cows. And you can tell there's no hot cow, but he's so ready. And you'll hear him make some of the most unusual little moans and groans and just low sounds as he's around them. And those are the type of sounds. Let me show you. You want me to I'll, I'll show you some of those sounds. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you can do some with your voice. And I like doing them with my voice because your voice sounds realistic and you don't have to be fancy. But when a bull's around cows like that, a lot of times you'll hear him just kind of give those. You know, he'll do little things like that right there. And, and, and if you want to make them think that there's a cow maybe even coming in, sometimes I'll just pop my lips a little bit, kind of a. And a bull will do that as he starts trying to taste the air and see what the, the, uh, if, what the cows are doing, you know, what are, what, what are they smelling like. And he'll do that, and he'll give those little sounds. And then with my bugle here, I'll give a few more. He'll just make little stuff like that, and sometimes I'll make them even shorter or a little longer. But I'll play with that little bit of a bugle tone. Just little stuff, and I'll mingle that in along with the cow calls. And, I mean, this sounds so realistic when you're in the woods. Instead of just shattering out with big challenge bugles and just screaming and giving three notes on everything and then acting like there's a few cows, so much of that is not realistic. It's just got hunter written all over it but when you do all this little talk in there you'll be surprised and sometimes i'll even throw a cow sound from the bull doing that i'll have the bull sound like this you know i'll just do little stuff like that and when you keep it going and mix it up with the cow calls and you have the little bull doing that it just feel he's showing the anything out there that he's feeling it and it can attract elk like you can't believe i mean because it's a realistic situation and again I'm, I'm i'm not really raking i'm just rustling things acting like the elk are moving around and they're being routine they're not in fear of anything and so they're acting natural out there and as i do these things that's when i like doing those especially near the the bedding area especially when i'm talking about elk that aren't 
talking here. They're not saying anything. I'm not going to go through that if there's cows in heat and they're screaming everywhere and there's bulls going like crazy. No, that's this is for quiet elk, but I, I can get near a bedding area. And once I can't, once I do this, you can pull those elk right out of there. They'll just start slipping out one at a time, sometimes two, four, five. You never know. And here they come. They just start coming on the string right to you. And again, I, it's a good setup, so I don't see it. But I know where they're at, and I know where I want them to come. So kind of in my mind's eye, I have an idea of, of how they're going to approach me. And when, if you do it right, you will find over 95% of the time, they will come straight at you the shortest route. They won't, kind of, they won't come in downwind. I noticed over the years that elk try to come in downwind when they're suspicious of something. If something's not quite right, that's when they start circling. Other than that, right at you. And a herd bull, pfft. When's the last time a herd bull ever came in downwind? When you convince a herd bull you're another bull or whatsoever going on, that's, that dude's coming right at you. There's no messing around. It's the shortest route, and that's it. And, and, and so, you know, we play on those things right there as far as what we expect. And, you know, you just try to be realistic out there when you're doing it. All right. And three different categories, Paul, with targeting bulls specifically. I'm just curious if you could help us maybe understand these scenarios of when there's a bull all by himself. Mm-hmm. Of when you have bulls together, so maybe a little bachelor group, maybe it's, you know, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. And then when you know you have a bull with cows, do mm-hmm. you take three different approaches in those three situations? Or is there a lot of crossover? Help us understand your That's approach a good if question. you know that. And I love how you say, is there a crossover? So, okay, give me the first question. I don't like three and five at a time. Give me yeah. one question you want me to address. Yeah, so those are the three scenarios. So a lone bull... Just a group of, you know, it's just bulls. They're not with cows yet. And then the bull with cows. So let's just start with a lone bull. Maybe you've spotted him. Maybe you've heard him and they're just assuming that he's so low. Do you have any specific strategy for targeting a lone bull? Heck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Help us. First of all, there's, there's basically no such thing as a lone bull. Elk are herd animals. Yeah, you may see one or you may hear one, but that doesn't mean there's nothing else around. They're there. Right. There's somewhere something within earshot of that bull. That's why he's there. He's not there because he got nothing to do. There's something around. <clears throat> so always remember that and respect it. Because even though you target one animal that you saw go into the timber or you heard, it doesn't mean something else isn't slipping in from another direction. So you want to always be aware of that. We've had this happen I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. But Fortunately, in most cases, the target bull is the one that does come in first. But just, you know, as a side point, be aware of it. How do you know if a bull is by himself or he's the only one making any sound? If you have a lone bull and he's bugling over and over from one spot that be, and nothing else is responding to him. Again, it doesn't mean there's nothing else out there. But this bull, he's trying to draw attention to himself. That's a bull who will advertise himself. And he, he may even have cows and he may have no cows, but they start somewhere. And what they're, what he's doing is he, the reason he's repetitiously bugging like that and holding position is because he's trying to draw cows to him and he wants to scent check them. If they're not ready to be bred, they can stay with them. And that's how they build a harem. Not every cow in a bull's harem is, is ready to be bred. And so they stay there until their time comes. And he covers them. Simple as that. So when you have a lone bull like that calling, I'm not going to bugle that bull. Absolutely not. I'm going to give him exactly what he wants. He wants the cows. That's what he's looking for. In that instance right there, no other bugling going on. It's just him. 
I'm going to get in there. I'll probably try to get within 150 yards. If it's really good terrain and there is just no noise to be had, I'm going to just slip in and try to put an arrow in them. But in most cases, dark timber that we hunt a lot of in the seven different states that I've hunted, there's debris and downfall and crap. It's just there and, 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 and slipping in on them unannounced. It's just really tough. Some of those elk just, they know they get into that junk. And so you either have to pull them out or you have to call your way to him. That's what you have to do. And so in, 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 I love having the advantage when I can have it. What I mean by hunter advantage is anytime you can put the elk on the defense, the bull, in this case, a bull, and make him do the moving, your odds just escalate hugely as opposed to you doing all the moving to his front door. Makes it much tougher because he could catch some kind of movement on you. And it doesn't mean you can't stealthily get in there and take him. No, I've done it many times. But it's also that risk. But when he's doing all the moving coming to you, man, oh, man, the odds go way up. You catch his movement first. So I like to try to call that bull to me. So I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him like I was a real elk. I'm not just going to start cow calling. So here's the three sounds I'm going to use. Then I'll explain what they are. Here's the social cow call. That's social. I've made contact. Now, here's me trying to call him over to me in a normal, hey, why don't you come on over here? Remember, elk speak with emotion, intensity. As they raise their voice and try to get more urgent or demanding to come over, they'll show that in their sound, in their tone. That was a social. Here's me telling him, hey, I want you coming over here. Okay, that's me now. You notice how I changed my tone. And I, I'm letting him know I heard him, but I'm asking him to come over. Now, if we get to a point where he's come so far, but he won't come anymore, and this happens, sometimes I even move up, and he'll move down, and I can tell by his last sound he's getting closer. I now insist on him coming over to me. Now I'm telling him, I'm raising my voice, and no, no, you get over here. I want you coming over here. And so you're letting him know, just like if you were talking to somebody else, you're insistent on him coming. So they change their tone again to relay that message, just like a dog would change its bark or its whine or plead because it wants to eat or play or whatever. It's, it's changing its tone and sending a message to you because you know that animal. You know what it wants. It doesn't have to use English. Well, this is what the elk do to each other. They're changing their tone or emotion of the sound. So here's what this cow would do. She gets very demanding. She wants him coming over. That's it. Bottom line. Mm. So with those sounds in mind, I'm going to start going to that bull and get to the certain point where I know I need to set up. This is a great setup. Yeah, I'm still 150 yards, 175. It really doesn't matter. This is what he's looking for. So I'm going to make contact on one of his last bugles. I'm going to call and let him know I heard him. So and what's he going to do? He may answer right back. He may wait a few 30 seconds. Who knows? And he's going to call me call. And when he does, he's going to change his tone. No longer is he going through those repetitious bugles like he was given his location bugle that was like this. he's just reaching out that's all he's doing he's reaching out and he's trying to he's locating he's trying to find his advertising and he could do this time and time again now the minute a cow responds to him what is he going to do he's going to give her that same sound nope he's now going to call her to him so now he changes his tone hey i heard you come on over here and this is what he does 
He just shortens it up. Hey, come on over here. And he may chuckle, whatever the case may be. If you get to the point where he is just getting ticked and you're upsetting him, frustrating him, making him mad because you're not coming, he will change it. And many times he'll just give you that short little lip ball. You see what I mean? And this is where he's getting his urgency or demand. And he may go, he's telling you, get over here. I'm telling you to come on. And that's what he does. He's raising his voice. He's almost yelling at you because you're not doing what he's asking. So this is what I'm doing. I'm reading all this. I'm calling this, calling, calling. And then he tells me to do this. Okay, I need, you know, I got to be an elk out there. If I'm going to convince this over-the-counter bull that's been called by eight guys already before me, (laughs) I'm going to pull this bull in. I'm going to kill this bull. And so I'm going to communicate with him. And if he gets to the point where I feel I'm getting bored now, and and this is is all the things that are going through my mind. To think, to tell a listener, all I got to do is go make these few cow sounds and here he comes running in. That's just wonderful. But it rarely happens. Guys, I have to work these elk and work them and work them and work them and convince them I'm one of them. Very rare do I just make a few cow sounds and they come trotting in. If they do, that's great. But no, these bulls that we are killing every year, we are working these guys between 15 and 30 minutes before they finally come in. And sometimes I got to turn around and leave. Once I get them into that 80-yard range, so many times they're so reluctant because in the real world, you got to think about this. In the real world, when that cow and bull are talking back and forth, that cow usually makes her way right to the bull. This is the normal thing. So if you don't do it and you stay there and he's hung up at 80 yards and you keep cow calling cow and you're not understanding what he's telling you back, he's leaving. You're not killing that bull. He's going to end up losing interest. No, something's not right. And off he goes. Never to be heard. Or you may bugle and he bugles again, but now he's 500 yards away. To kill that bull, when that bull does that to me, I let him know that eh, I'm not even interested in you anyway. And I turn around and leave and I start cow calling. I just give him a few nice, just kind of goodbye calls, just meow, meow, and I walk and crack and pop, and I leave. I start heading away from him, 50, 60, 70, 80, stop, and then run right back where I've originally called. Don't move. Here he comes, sneaking in, and I'll bet you 90% of the bulls come right back in to kill. You, you can kill that bull, or if I have another person with me, I leave that person right there, right where I called from, and I go back. And I just start, I just slowly call my way away. Like I'm leaving. Like, ah, forget you. You're not what I'm looking for. The cow chooses the bull she wants to be with anyway. And she's kind of telling him, eh, you're not a a dominant structure or, you know, you're not what I'm looking for. The same as a doe can do with a big buck or a young buck. She can walk away from him. It don't mean nothing. Well, that's what these elk will do. And the minute you leave, they don't like it. He does Hmm. not go, eh, turn around, walk to his bed again. No way. He's coming to check (laughs) right where she was. And why? Because he wants to scent check it. He wants to see if she was coming into heat or not. Cows don't make any sounds when they're coming into heat. None. They make nothing. People think they do, but they don't. They make no breeding sound, no estrus whine. There's no such thing. Elk make no sound. The only way you can tell when a cow's coming in heat, there's only one way to know. The bull lets you know. That's it. There's no other way. When the bull makes specific sounds, there is a cow coming in heat, and that is my slow play. That is the that is my money. This is how we kill the majority of these elk. But the point is, is that so many people think if you get on the cow call and you start whining and whining and making all these sounds, she's telling the boy she, he wants to be ready. That's baloney. There is no such thing whatsoever. Those same sounds that they're trying to say 
represent that. You can hear any time of the year, any time of the year, all the way throughout. And I have footage of all this. So to say that all of a sudden in September they mean I'm ready to be to 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 to, to breed is baloney. It's because it's the same sound they're using in January, yeah. and so it has to represent something else. And 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 so it's the bull. He's the one that lets you know when there's a hot cow, yeah. and that is our. That's a very key point. Yeah, there's so much good info in there. It sounds like key takeaways for sure is to make sure that you're escalating your calls with emotion. So if you're in that scenario where you're cow calling to that bull and he's ratcheting up his bugles, you can also do the same to say, no, get over here. But then as you mentioned, if it gets to the point where things are really hung up, that's when you walk away, play hard to get, and then hopefully draw them in that yeah. way. That's good stuff. Well, see, the thing is, is you know where you're at the whole time by listening to him yeah. because you're going, oh, okay, all right. He just amped up his emotion. Now he's at this level, you see, and yep. now he's at this level. It's like, and the pinnacle is a, is a lip ball. It does not get any bigger than that from a bull. That's mm-hmm. it. He's at, he's at the top of the calling chain. There's nothing else to go to. And so when you start hearing him give from his location bugle, oh, now I've made contact. He's not going to use a location bugle anymore. He's done. Okay, I've made contact. Now he's trying to call you over, so he shortens it up, and he lets, he lets you know, I know you're there. And he may even chuckle you more than once because he's trying to encourage you to keep coming over here. He's not grunting you. Could he ever grunt you in that situation? Absolutely. Remember, a sound is an emotion from an elk. He can grunt a bull. He can grunt a cow if he's getting frustrated because she's not showing up. So he may just, you know, tell her, get over there. That's what he's doing. He's just showing emotion for the time, for the situation at hand. So listeners need to understand that. These elk will use these sounds back and forth no matter the gender. So you're reading that and going, "Uh uh-oh, this guy, he's finally getting to the end of his rope right here. If I don't make something happen, he's leaving. This is over. And experience will show you that in time as you blow encounter after encounter after encounter starts to sink in that here's what's going on. So I'm shedding light on it for newer folks out there to take this information and shorten that learning curve and realize this is what's happening. Here's what you need to do to take care of business and still turn it into a positive. Yeah, you just mentioned it and it was on my list to talk about help us understand the difference beyond just the bugles and maybe escalating with motion, but specifically about grunts and chuckles. When would they be made? What do they mean? How do we understand the difference um, as we hear those from bulls specifically? Yeah. And, and bull, cause cows make them too. And, and, and when a bull is using a chuckle, it's, it's like everything's a okay. Come on over here. It's an invite. It, 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 so it's there. It's non-intimidational. You can liken a chuckle, which is ape-like in sound, and let's just do a couple real quick so people understand what we're talking about when we say if a bull is chuckling, you would hear him do something like this. Okay, now that is what a chuckle is, and sometimes they'll even make a weird pop. They kind of give a. You hear that little bass at the end of it? You'll hear him give that. And this is non-intimidational. All this is is that it's the situation they're in. And, and, and everything's all right. They're trying to bring you over. Anytime you hear them make that sound, and they can even use that when they're giving these uh, uh, advertising bugles. Because you have to understand, here's a bull giving advertising bugles, and you walk up on him. Maybe he's been giving them for hours. You see, and nothing's happening. And so they get anxious. They get kind of frustrated. And so they kind of 
you know, they get a little more emotion behind their bugle, and it's still a location bugle. And he may even throw us up a couple of uh, chuckles in as he's yearning for this companionship. This is what's going on in September. These guys are ready to breathe. So listen to what they're doing out there. Replicate this stuff. Make it real. This is how you call bulls in. You make it real. You sound like them. You're not predictable. You're not a tape recorder. You're, you're an elk. You're an animal. You have emotions. You mix things up and listen to him when he's calling. You're going to see he sounds like this one time, this another. But he's mixing it all in there of what he feels like inside. And so when he's communicating with you, it makes it that much easier. Because now you can see by his emotional sound where he's at in his frame of mind. If he comes back with this bugle after you give a location bugle and he goes. (laughs) You can tell that he's not real happy. He's probably got cows without a doubt. And he's got a hot cow. So he's being defensive. He's telling you to stay back. I don't want you coming anymore any closer. See, he's shown defensive action when he does that. It's the ultimate call that an elk will make. From a challenge to his lip ball, he can incorporate the two together, but he's, 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 he's showing you his emotion, what he's feeling, what he's trying to tell you. Get back. That's what he's doing. And so when, you, when we use these sounds, you know, that's what we're telling an elk. And, and so for guys to say, I was talking to guys just the other day, and they were talking about their calling strategy and everything they've been watching on YouTube. And they said, you know what? From now on, all I'm going to do is challenge every bull I hear out there. And I said, why would you do that? If you challenge every bull, the message you're sending is this. Why would you do that? There are times to use it, yes, but there's times not to use it. If you're going to want to attract, the reason you're out there hunting is you're trying to pull bulls in. You're trying to call them and then work them and get them in. And to say I'm going to use a challenge bugle on every bull and the one that cooperates, that's great. Wonderful. But look at all the ones you're leaving behind and nothing's happening. You have zero. Do you want to go one mile and kill your elk or would you rather have to go eight miles and kill your elk? Because you're bumping all these others. And, and if you use a challenge bugle as your one and only thing, you better be able to hunt almost the whole season. Because guys that are hunting seven, eight days, you may go two or three, like you mentioned in the beginning, and never hear an elk sound. Nothing. Zero. Then you may go a day and hear an elk a day, and that's it. Okay, you heard four elk in four days. What are your odds you're going to kill them with a challenge bugle? Not very good. Not saying it can't happen, but your odds are just in the toilet. Why not take advantage of every single bull out there and call them in and take that bull? That's what that's what we try to do here is we are doing everything we can to play on that bull's emotions. That one bull, that one bugle is all that we heard. One bugle. Get in there, pull that bull in. And that is what I like to do is to be able to tailor my calling for his needs right there. Not because all I know is one or two sounds and I'm going to force him down his throat. So in terms of when to bugle big, when to bugle small, to put it in those terms, are you really just, you're, as you mentioned, you're gauging each situation and you're essentially seeing how fired up, how defensive, maybe how inquisitive they are and just going from there? I have to do it that way if I want to call them in. When I hear a bull give a lazy bed bugle and a lazy bed bugle would be like this. There's a lazy bed bugle. No fire behind it. He's not even locating her. He's not really doing anything. He's feeling his oats. And he'll do it from the bed. That bull right there, and nothing answers him. Is there any rutting action going on? Is there any hot cows around? No. It's pretty obvious. There'd be multiple bulls bugling. There'd be competition. This bull 
is bugling right there. And a time of day, a lot of times can dictate where he is, you know, uh, and, and some of these early season bulls, they don't go anywhere. They bed and eat right there. They don't move. I mean, they're within 150, 200 yards of, of them uh, the whole entire day. They don't go anywhere. And so depending on the time of the day, time of the year, I look for those things. Now, I would, I, it's wonderful for the bull to do that. If I hear that bugle, I don't say anything, nothing. I get over there. I might hear him 200 yards away. I'm already close enough. I might go in a few more yards. No big deal. If I hear him a half a mile away, I'm hustling to get over there. And because I don't know if he's on the move or not. So I'm hoping he calls again. If he gives me two bugles. And he doesn't really go anywhere. He's just right there. And that's all he gives. You can cow call your brains out. You can bugle him. You can do anything you want. And a bull never answers you, never says a sound. That is one of the most common occurrences you are going to find in the elk woods. As a newer elk hunter or a veteran, how do you pull that bull in? Everybody tries to cow call that bull. Remember, they're a herd animal. There's already elk around him somewhere. They're not very far away. If he wants to be around cows, all he has to do is go clippity clop. In one minute, he's with them. But he's not messing with them. Why? There's no hot cows. So you start cow calling. Does that tell him there's a cow coming into heat? No. It just tells him there's a cow over there. I don't care how much you ramp up your cow calling. It doesn't mean you couldn't pull him over. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it's a, it's a wishy-washy situation. There's nothing there to tell him that he should come over there. And especially when he's not answering anything. Nothing. So how do I pull that bull over to me? I have to show him I have a hot cow. I have to now let him know there's a bull in there. And so what I do is I'm one bull and one cow. There's none of this three or four cows, one bull situation, nothing, one-on-one. And I convince him that I have a cow coming into heat right there. And you can only do that with the certain sounds a bull will make when he is around or in the presence of a hot cow. He makes special sounds. He doesn't do all those other bugles. He's not doing a roundup bugle. He's not doing a, a location bugle or a challenge or nervous grunts. He's not doing lip ball. He's not doing any of that. He's talking to that cow right there. And so when you can employ that strategy, it's killer. It will pull nearly every single bull in. And I'm not kidding you guys. I mean, this will pull nearly every bull in. You do your part. Play the sequence out. And if you watch a bull with cows and nothing's hot, Get over there. Get within 150, 200 yards of him. You will pull that herd bull out of there. Even though he has no hot cows, no competition, it will pull him right out of there. Come and check you out. Because of the representation that you're telling him without ever talking to him that you have a hot cow right there. And so, I mean, you know, I've watched him for years make these sounds. And, and so that's why we started turning it into what I call a slow play. A slow play represents a non-aggressive action, but it could turn into a, an aggressive, challenging situation like you cannot believe. But you start out slow playing them because I can always go up. But if I start out with a challenge with that bull and there's a herd bull over there and he's got eight cows and no sounds are coming out of him, you know, and there's nothing hot. What if I challenge him? What are the odds he's going to come over to me? They're not good. He could let a bull walk right in amongst his cows because nothing can be bred. Nothing. And he knows it. It happens all the time in the middle of September toward the end of it. Bulls mingle around right amongst the cows. Nobody's doing anything. But when a cow starts coming into heat, separation takes place. The bigger bull will take charge. So for me to go in and start challenging that bull right there, my odds have went way down to about 10% to pull him in. 90%, he'll never say a sound and he'll never come over. So how do I change that? Say 90% he's coming in, 10% he's not. 
that's the key right there. And so that's what I do. So after doing this for years and watching what how the the result of it, that's how we kill all these bulls. I mean, even I mean the last 15, 20 bulls Paul and I have killed together. I bet you that was the main sequence that we've used. Yeah, we've used other little things, but that is the main one because we are generally working with elk that just they're not bugling. They're bugling one here, one there, and that's it. And but we pull that bull right in there. And 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 when you see it work, man, oh man, you can't wait for the next bull because you know if you hear one bugle, you have a really really good chance of pulling this guy in. And I'll share that with you here in a minute. What is that specific vocalization that um, you know a bull might make that makes that signifies that a cow is an estrus? Is that a glunk? You know, there there's nothing statistics out there and all the studies that have been done and even everything I've been around. And I mean, I've been around a lot of elk. I, all you know, I've never heard a bull use a glunk outside the rut. Never, not one. And I have been around thousands and thousands of elk uh, on public land, over the counter stuff in watching these things for umpteen hours. I've never heard him make a glunk. I've never heard him race their, their, their emotional, uh, raise their emotional uh, tones and bugles like I hear in September either. You know, everything's ramped up. I hear just as excited cow calls in September as I do in June, July, August. You, those things can go nuts all the time, you know, in these nursery groups especially. And so that's, a, a no big deal and you can hear them give the contact buzz some call it the estrus buzz all year long there anytime there's any excitement or a demand or urgency you'll hear them use that sound so to say it's a breeding sound is just baloney it, it, somebody wants to believe it that bad you can say anything is anything but really when you look at the complete picture that's not what it represents or means to the elk so having the right sound at the right time is real important but you know as far as uh the other stuff there that you were talking about, you know, the the emotion and the calling. Yeah, I mean, all these things come into play. So if someone's listening to this and they're just, you know, they're on information overload, they're trying to sort out all these sounds, all these situations, all these scenarios, they're a newer elk hunter. What would you encourage beginners to focus on or maybe just a few key calls to kind of stick to? I know that in the end, it's helpful to have your experience and understand these situations. But for a guy who just needs to, like, here's two to three things I should focus on. For you, what would be at the top of that list? What we talked about in the beginning. Okay. That's it. Just go to the cold calling and go to the creative cow calling, which is just a longer stay in those two areas. I mean, that's that's all you need to do if you just want to call some elk in. You don't have to do anything else. You have to have a good setup, sound believable. You know, and that was easy to say, but I mean, it's like, you know, it's like playing golf saying you have to have a good swing, choose the right club for the right distance, have a good swing. Yeah. But <laughs> it's it, just it, that it doesn't easy. just happen. You have to go practice it. <laughs> well, it's the same with the calling. Practice your sounds. And when you're using a cow sound or any sound, and what I like to tell people, when you're practicing your calling and you go, okay, I'm going to practice a cow calling. I'm going to throw some bugles. I'm going to do this. I like to see people know the sound they're practicing. Yeah, you're okay. And, and and why is that? Because it helps you to put the right you in the right frame of mind or the right emotion behind it. You understand what you're saying. It's like you're you're trying to speak Spanish and you're saying, I love you. You don't go, I love you. You know what I mean? You you kind of put feeling behind it. Or you're saying whatever the words are or the phrasing that you're trying to learn, you seem to put the right tone behind it. It's the same thing with L calling. If you're going to start making social sounds, understand that's what you're using. If you go, okay, I want to use the regathering sound where where uh, Junior's separated a little bit or other cows, she's trying to call them back. 
she's going to go. You see, she's giving that little bit. So understand that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm practicing now. I need to make that sound carry out, give that and drop it off. Whereas the social, they don't do that. It's just that's all they're doing. So understand when you're practicing a sound, what you're saying. And that way it helps you to really live it. And same with the bugle. If you're given a location bugle, if you're given an intimidation challenge, if you're using a roundup bugle where you're just showing a little bit more emotion, you're responding to a cow that you know is there. And this is what bulls do. Think of the sound you're hearing when you're cow calling and a bull's trying to call you to him. He's not using a location bugle anymore. He's using a roundup bugle. He's not giving you a challenge. He's usually not giving any of that. He's just giving you that, you know, he'll sound like this. And that's what you'll hear a bull give. Sometimes he'll chuckle behind it. But he notices nothing like a location bugle. But that's what he's doing when he hears you. And he's, hey, come on over here. He's, he's changing his emotion behind it. And so that's how you're going to practice. Practice when you say, okay, I'm going to do this. This is what happens when I'm doing this. And when do I use that? That's when I use it if I'm trying to get into a bull that has a cow's and I think he's got one coming to heat, but they're really not quite aggressive. But he's bugling enough. But he's not just charged up. If I challenge him, there's a good chance he's just going to stop. So I'm going to try to call the cow away from him. So that's when I'm going to lead into the bull doing the. You see, I'm going to go right to those two or three cow sounds and straight into the bugle. No question it was the bull using that sound. And well, who am I talking to? I ain't bull no dang well. I ain't talking to him. I'm talking to that cow. And that's what I'm trying to pull over. You see, and so now all of a sudden, what is the bull going to do? He's going to come roaring back at me. He's not going to give me a, loca a location or a roundup bugle to come over and join him. No, he's giving me a challenge right now. I'm going to, I know he is. I'm waiting for him. The minute he does it, I'm coming right back over the top. And if that bull doesn't come running in, I try to call a cow again. And as soon as I do, he's on full tilt. This dude's done. <laughs> Because I'm already right there. You know, I'm not doing this at 200 yards. I'm inside 100. I, so I'm not playing the game where there's a few little cow calls and I'm going to bugle. No, I'm trying to call that cow. I'm really making it real what a real satellite would do right here. And as I play that game, this is how I can override the less aggressive, a less aggressive bull that he really wasn't that aggressive. Now I just turned him into just boom. I took his, his temperature from halfway and I threw it just redlining just that quick. And that's how I like to do it. I don't, I don't like to, to, to leave it to chance and say, okay, I'm just going to challenge. And if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, well, I guess he just didn't want to play today. Bull crap. I'm going to make him play. And that's what I try to do. That's why I don't let no bull go. None. And I mean, I will use things like that. If I was going at that bull and I ran into a satellite halfway there, like, oh, crap. And there he goes running. You have to have a plan. If he goes running and you do nothing. Because now you're, you don't know what to do. Every elk that was over there, that bull and his couch, because you're running at this bull, you're doing whatever, you're working them, everything's gone. They're done. So now I have to be ready for a situation like that, and I have to let the herd know over there, including the bull and the cows, why this other elk is running. You see, so I have to use a little, another little tactic that I'm ready for in case that happens so they don't take off. 
I let him know that another bull came in and ran him off. And when another bull does that, he uses a selective sound of what he did to run that bull off. As he's moving in toward the real herd, there's that satellite hanging in there, and he'll do this. This is a sound he'll use. So, guys, these are all these little things that this is a punch tag to no punch tag. Because <laughs> what do you do? Just start cow calling because a bull ran like crazy? That isn't going to stop that herd from taking off. No, but this does. This, t- this plants the seed in this herd's mind that this is why this other elk just ran. Another bull came in. And when well, another bull comes in and runs another bull off, in m- most every case, you can go into videos. You can go anywhere you want. And listen, this is what he's doing right here. He'll go like this. That's what he does. He gives that single grunt and fires at him and usually runs a bull right out of there. And that's what he's telling him to do. Get out of there. And so he paves the way for him to go on up and move up. He doesn't want no competition from it. So when you hear that sound real quick and this one scampering off, it lets them know why that bull ran. What was the threat? What was the problem? No sound given. You give cow calls. That ain't what ran that bull off. And so I settle him down right there and allows me to still work that bull, run in and try to kill him. And so you see, those are the little things right there that I try to to think of all the time because crap happens out there. Yeah. You just don't make a few sounds and it all works in your favor. It's like if you if I heard this sound, I'm moving in. I can hear the bull bugling and I don't really have to call, but I'm moving in. I'm sliding in there and I hear the bull do this. <laughs> That's all. Just that little sound right there. If I hear that, he knows I'm there. He got me. He heard me or he saw movement and I didn't even know it. But if he was making a few sounds or calling another bull and you're slipping in because he's vocal enough and you hear that right there, anything remotely close to that, it could even be a. And you're thinking, oh, he's still talking to the other. He's still right there. You're done because you better have a response for him. He heard you. He's not now. He all of a sudden, his attention went from that other bull or whatever he was talking to that was guiding you up there. He heard you and he's unsure what you are. It's not a nervous grunt, but they'll give a growl. Sometimes they'll do it because they think it's another bull slipping in silent. And so he warns him and he can even do it. He's expecting a response or a visual from that, but it's not a nervous reaction. But see, no bear, no wolf, no mountain lion. Most humans do not understand what just happened there and so they all shut up they don't say anything they're just pursuing they're still sneaking that bull's out of there if nothing happens within seconds he's gone the next time you hear him bugle he's way the heck up there and you're like what the heck that's what happened he knew you were there so you need to satisfy him right there call normally i just cow call i just give a couple soft sounds and when i do i make sure i pop and crack a few little things make it natural he can't see you he just knows he heard something there or saw a flash, and he was unsure of what it was because what cows he does have were up there. There was nothing down there, and he knows it. So listen for those little things, you over-the-counter guys, because you don't have 100 chances out there, and settle him down. We've killed three different bulls where that was the sound that we heard that we had to stop him, settle him down. I think I even told you a story on the last one of how that six-point came looking over the edge when that first happened and how Paul got that bull. But anyway, just look for those little things. Everything's not a, oh, I caught bugle and challenge everything, and they come running in. No, you have to know how to fill in the blanks right there in so many of these bulls that, that, that you lose out there. And, 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 and this is one of the biggest reasons why I like to, to, to share information where I think most don't. 
it's we've been in so many situations and have unraveled things and this is why we'll use this sound or that sound and why the slow play is such a butt kicking technique that everybody's going to use this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just works so well. Once you use it one time, it will convince you like, how have I never done this before? They will. So good, Paul. There's so much in there. I, I would love to conclude with this. I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about what call you use, like specifically, do you use one diaphragm to make all these vocalizations? Are you switching around quite a bit? Do you just have one go-to? I'm just curious what you use personally and if you ever make any changes based upon the sounds that you want to make. No, I use one read for everything, and I call it my all-purpose read. So I try to use one thing for all my cow sounds. You know, if I was competition bugling, I would probably have an exclusive cow call uh, sound, you know, a, a read. I use nothing but reads. And, and, and I use, just to answer the question, I use one read. It's an all-purpose read. It does it all. So for elk hunting, that's, that's really all you need. My son and I, actually, both of us, as a matter of fact, I believe most of the five guys in the crew, that's what everybody does the same thing. We're not using the same read, but. Are you guys making your own? No, no. I use uh, the mistress. The mistress is my favorite read by Rocky Mountain, you know, Rocky Jacobson. Mm -hmm. And I've used about every read out there that he makes. And uh, I can call elk with any of them. It doesn't make any difference. I, I mean, you can I use the melody. I knew you were going to say that, but I was just oh, curious. Like, I knew that you were just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You can make the sound. It's oh, all about the emotion. I could use, about what you do if I it. had Phelps calls or Carlton's, I've used them all. It doesn't make any difference. I would call elk with every one of them. Yeah. And why is that? Because I'm not calling for a judge. I'm not competition calling. You have to understand that I'm working on the emotion of an elk. All I have to do is represent that tone of the bull that I'm sending a message to. Or am I trying to call his cow? Am I talking to the bull? You see, am I warning something? Am I, am I trying to call something to him? Am I changing up my cow sounds like I was explaining to you as I made those three different cow sounds and each one sends a different message? I can do that with that read because an elk comes in so many ages, they just have different tones. So they don't, you don't have to have the perfect thing where I have to impress the judge that it's this is my level up here, which is fine for a calling competition. You have to be there, but not for calling elk. You don't have to be there. It's the right sound at the right time. You know, my, my bugles and my cow calls, I'm sure don't even match in the same category as some of these world-class callers but they're not killing any more elk than me as a matter of fact there's no doubt in my mind i kill more more than most of those guys do and it's because i understand the sound i'm going to use and why i'm going to use it and 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 again it's the tactic it's the tactic of choice or the sequence i fall on to work a, a specific animal i'm not using one thing for everything if i was to use one one thing and they said paul you can only hunt this year and you can use one tactic nothing else it would a hundred times over be the slow play the slow play is it it's the money it's is it going to call every elk no but it will call the majority of them and because i'm only after bulls it's going to call me almost bulls in entirely every time and that is what i care about right there and the first five points going to get it anyway, you know, hunting over the counter, right? Raw tag, no way. You know, I love it. Well, no, that's how it is. And, you know, the slow play is what I used on that Wyoming bull last year. And that's the 345-inch bull. That was a great bull. It was 345 and four eights and called him to 17 yards. 
and 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 I was trying to push him away. You know, I, I because I thought he was young. You know, anytime this is a good tip for people too. You, a lot of times you get these guys in there saying, "Man, I got this herd bull. He's going. I don't care if it's a draw tag or over the counter. I've got this herd bull, but he's surrounded by three or four satellites, and cows are all in between me and him, and I can't get around him because the wind is wrong. So what do I do? How do I pave the way to get up to this herd bull? How can I get to him? And I and it's such a simple strategy. It's really nothing to it. We've all done it." We just haven't turned it into a tactic. If you bugle your way to a bull, what happens? They usually run. <laughs> if you get to, you know, you start a quarter mile away and you bugle your way, and now you're 300 yards away or whatever, 250, and you bugle, and you keep bugling your way in, what happens? That bull's usually at 250 the whole time. Or 400, you know, he doesn't just stand there and <laughs> let you arrow him in, in most cases. And so this is what I do to open that corridor. That's all I do is I bugle my way. I usually get within three, 400 yards, and now I want that herd bull. Is the herd bull going to run? No. Why isn't he going to run? He's not running from the other three guys that are sitting there harassing the crap out of him because he has a hot cow. That's why they're all there. That's the competition bugling. The bulls are trying to call that hot cow away. And so they're all right there because there's a hot cow. So for me to pave the way and even move the cows out, I just bugle my way right to the bull. And all I try to do is get within 100, 150 yards of them. And once I start encroaching and keep the cover in the wind, it pushes. It just opens them up like the Red Sea. The bulls run to the side. The cow, the cows start moving. They don't go anywhere. They just move out of the way. They don't like it. And they don't want. They don't just stand there and let you call right up to their face. They don't do it. So all I do is move them away, spread them apart, stay in the cover. And the real bull, the herd bull, he still thinks I'm a bull coming up there anyway. And these other guys that are moving, they're still bugling. They're just moving. They're getting out of the way. But if I tried to sneak up there and say nothing, I have that barrier in my way. So you guys ever need to move some cows or bulls out of the way? Start bugling your way to them. And they just get out of the way. <laughs> so it's so simple. Because when we don't want it to happen, it happens every time when you try to bugle your way to right. them. Right. So you avoid that. You know, everybody knows it. You don't do that because it just pushes them out of there in most cases. But use it as a tactic, guys. It's, have you ever thought of doing that? No, not at all. No, <laughs> most <laughs> people. Don't. I had a guy call me on the phone. Well, a couple guys last year. We had, were in these bulls. I said, "Man, just bugle your way to them." Like what? Yeah, just start bugling. Go right at them, and they'll move out of the way. But again, the herd bull stays right there because he's not running from them. He ain't running from you, and that's why I usually stop that distance away because now I'm going to get in and try to call that cow. Is what I'm going to do. Very rare do I go in and just scream a challenge in his face. Hardly ever. I, I mean, to begin with. I don't. I like to stay lower because it allows me to climb the ladder if I need to of momentum. So I like to get in there and be the real bull. What were those bulls doing? Were they challenging the bull? Nope. Or else they walk right in his, right up to him and do it. Nope. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to call the cow away. And so all I do is come to be a new kid on the block, and that bull doesn't know who I am. He doesn't recognize my sound at all. So now I'm going to slip in there, and I'm going to talk to the cow. I'm not going in there and just bugle. I'm going to talk to her. Like I give those couple of cow sounds and I'm going to give. And sometimes I don't even do that. I just start with the with a, like a roundup, a little more emotion. Just give them that. And I'm trying to call the cow. The bull knows I'm not trying to call him. Of course, the bull will race up over the top of me and challenge me and tell me to get the crap out of there. But if I don't feel like doing it to him, I may call the cow with a couple cow calls and the roundup. And it just charges this bull. His, he's just redlining. And I kid you not, these little things, it just boom, 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 boom. They just they get so mad so quick. And then I don't let him down. 
that's when I challenge right over the top of rake and stomp. And I may even start running at him a little bit, trying to cut that distance to 30 yards or 40 if the timber is good and thick. And I'm just crashing, breaking like a real bull. This no, He knows there is no way on God's green earth that he can get those calves out of there before I come there. So he is going to be that defense mechanism. Here he comes. Boom. And, you know, this is a lot of guys will do that kind of a, a, a technique of just charging so he can't get out of there fast enough. So he runs right at you. And again, it's the same thing if you booted cows out 30, 40 yards away. If the cows ran out, man, that's when you can unleash the scream right there. And because that bull's coming running. And, and, and we've done that on quite a few different bulls where that was the last thing he heard. And, you know, but once you're in there, once you start getting inside that 100 yards, your bag of tricks is endless. There's almost nothing you can't do if you're aggressive that won't work. So it's not like this or nothing. No, that's not what I'm saying. I love playing the game. And that's why a lot of times I will incorporate other stuff that maybe most people don't need to, but I love it because I can see how it makes them react. And there may be a time when that's the only thing that will work. I've worked bulls, herd bulls, where I was giving them everything. And there was only one thing that finally pushed them over the edge and came charging at us several times, and that's pants. And I, and I thought, man, that's the only thing I haven't done. When a bull uses a pant, and a pant is this. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear that. Yeah. That's a pant. When a bull uses a pant and then bugles or chuckles behind it, see, a pant, it, it creates excitement. A bull can use it towards cows or he can use it toward another bull. If he's getting worked up. And he's getting excited over the situation and frustrated and mad at the same time. You'll hear him lead or end with panting. And pants is, means he's getting really worked up over the situation. Maybe he's calling this cow and she won't come. And so he starts, he's breathing heavy and he's panting into the tube. Sometimes I'll use a, a, a reed in my mouth. There was no reed. And I'll give it a little bit of a squeak and it's more of like this. <laughs> You hear that little bit of the reed vibration. It makes it so real. And that is what I'll do. And it's selling me as one of them. This is a hunter. They don't hear anybody making sounds like this. Where, oh, not that guy again. No, they don't hear that. This is something that's new or something they expect to hear from a real bull. And so I'll use stuff like that. And then maybe I'll throw the screen right out behind it. And I've had bulls where I've worked them and worked them. And until I hit those pants, it was like it just flipped the light switch and they just charged right at us. And I'm talking to most of these bulls are dead at 15 yards. I mean, they come in fast. So it's just these little sounds, you know, don't think, oh, they don't mean nothing. You don't have to know those. Believe me, they can make the the, the, the difference in a, in, a, in, in a situation where it's that or nothing. So, you know what, if a guy can just learn those simple things, you know, like panting, a few little glunks, nothing fancy. Use your lips like I'm doing. And, and, and you and you can regulate the speed. And that sounds like a glunk. And that's all it has to be. Sometimes I'll use my tongue kind of a. And if you've ever heard bulls glunk, get five of them glunking. They don't sound the same at all. They just have all these little and some of them are thumping it. Boy, I mean, they sound really bassy and others don't. My point is, when you incorporate that sound, it sells what you're trying to sell to them that's what it's doing and, and and that's one of my favorite tones or sounds to use when i'm using the slow play i'm just using it and i'm not talking to anything out there i'm talking to the cow and i'm tasting the air and i'm using the, the pants and i'm using the little sounds that i'm making the raking it shows a display in action for her 
nothing else. You're not responding to anything. It shows that I have a cow coming into estrus right there. And once you do, and this is what a real bull will do. You walk in and you hear all this competition going and you're going to hear this bull giving pants. You're going to hear him giving low glunks. Once you're close enough, you're going to hear him giving those. I mean, he's getting excited over. He's not giving three note bugles. I mean, this is where people make their big mistake. That's not what he's doing. He may be giving these and then a bull answers him, you know, and now all of a sudden he's. You see, now he's telling that bull to stay back. And that's aside from him slow playing this cow that's coming into estrus. So see, your sounds are a timing thing and you're responding back. You're communicating. Stay back as you're, as this cow is still coming in, you know, of course. So you're raking. What are you doing? You're displaying for her. And this excites bulls. I mean, it excites bulls. You go through that little bit of a pant situation. I'm throwing a few cow calls out. And when I do, I usually will give a soft kind of like, One, just like that. I love doing it. I give those two or three and then one loud one and I'm through my, I'm, I mean, that's all, that's it. And I may do that in a 15, 20 minute encounter and they'll, that bull will hear that three times. That's it. The rest is all bull, all moaning, all panting. And he's beside himself. He's getting worked up. He's pissing all over himself. I'm not kidding you. This is what he's doing. And you're thinking that in your mind. You're in his shoes. You're being that bull that is just, oh, he's so excited that he has a hot cow there. And he's going through the motions that, and they're not bugling. You don't hear him throw all these bugles out. Unless he's responding to something, but he's just courting her and he's making all these sounds along with those little groans and the moans and the pants and the few little, I mean, it sells it. And here they come. I and mean, you can't believe how many bulls come in and they never make a sound. They don't say anything. They just come in come, boom, 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 because you're showing them exactly what they've been all waiting for, for a day or two or a week, who knows what, that there's a cow coming in heat. And that, how we slow play that system right there. So you take that. When, anytime you see a bull go into the timber, he's not saying nothing, and you can get within 150 yards of him, go play the slow play. I do it. I, I will go through that sequence for maybe three, four, five minutes. There's no nothing written in stone. And then I'll kind of settle it down a little bit, and maybe I'll just tickle some stuff, stomp the ground a little bit with my feet, give one little cow mew, you know, see, and let it kind of die down as I'm regathering my breath. And then I pick it back up. I slide back into it. Usually only two or three times at the most is all you're going to do it because here he comes. And especially if a bull gives one bugle, that's it. One bugle. And I can get within 200 yards or so of that bull. That bull's dead. I'm telling you right now, Steve and Mark, 90% plus chance that bull will sneak right into you. He's coming because you've given him a reason to come, to sit there and just cow call or throw a bunch of bugling and cow calling and challenge, whatever you want to do, does not dictate you have a hot cow. But the glunks, the pants, the raking, the display in action is exactly, if you guys ever been in those mixes, when you heard bulls bugling and screaming and the cows are coming in, listen close, get in tight as you can and listen. That's what you're hearing. And this is what brought those satellites over. They do hear this or they're sent checking the area. They're sent checking the bedding area, all the trails, the watering holes, mineral lakes, anywhere where these elk frequent, they're constantly moving and, and sent checking those areas. And when they finally get that bingo smell that they've been waiting for, it lures them right back over to where that is. Or they can hear the bull displaying. They hear way better than we do. And they'll know they get close when this bull displays for this cow. And so that's the sound sequence. This cow will make no sound, nothing to let a bull know. She's in coming into heat or into estrus. Nothing. But the bull does. 
And that is my slow play sequence. I've never shared this before. <laughs> I kind of had it in my back pocket because I've used it so many years. And, and this is this exact one that when I called that bull in, Paul killed a bull with a longbow here in Idaho. And he, I called that bull in to roughly, I think it was 30 yards, and he shot that bull. And he caught a branch and hit him high in the leg and went through the front of the brisket into the other leg. And he came back and told me, because I was probably 30 yards behind Paul. He came back and told me it hit a branch and he didn't, he didn't get the bull and what had happened. And uh, some time goes by as we're looking at the blood, evaluating the situation, kind of tracking things and the bull bugles again. Well, I called that bull right back in. I went right through that little slow play back into a super aggressive. And I called that bull into 28 yards, that same bull with the arrow in him. And Paul killed him on that second time around. So it was pretty cool to, to be able to call a bull in a second time. And then two days later is when I called the 345 inch bull into him and he killed that bull. And I slow played that bull for 35 minutes. And, and, and the reason it took that long was because I heard the bull and he sounded like a wimp. And so I, I bugled my way to him and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and finally he's like 400 yards away and we're in this super thick lodgepole. And all of a sudden we came into this burn. It's like a five acre burn. And this bull bugles right on the other side. I mean, just kind of a nothing, zero. And I, I was pushing him out of my way. So I didn't want to sneak around him and have him accidentally bump into him and him chase everything else that might be on that mountain we didn't know what else was there we'd never been there before and so i was just moving him out of my way <clears throat> he's the only one bugling well once we hit that burn i thought i told paul i said well i'm gonna call that bull let me see if i can call him you know there's no guarantees i'm gonna try to call him into the opening let's see what he looks like so i am i'm only 15 yards behind paul and we're standing right in the edge of the timber but i can't see in the opening and i thought i'll stay back a little i don't want him to come to the edge and look and think he should see me so i stood back enough into it where he knew he couldn't see where the sound was coming from so i called thinking this is like a little dink five point well to be honest i really thought it was and i i, I went through my little system of stopping the bull I gave a few cow calls and started going through my slow play thing. And immediately he threw off a bugle. And I mean, it was a bugle bugle. And I'm like, whoa, that's the same bull. It had to be it's from the same right there. And the next thing you know, here he comes walking up, which I can't see. He walks to the edge of the timber and he where just before the burn is. And he's staring over and Paul turns around, and looks at him. He goes, dad, that's a good bull. And we had already talked. You don't shoot nothing. We'd only been there, you know, that night. We got there that night at about 930 at night and got everything set up pitch black and we're daylight over here. And I said, 300 inch plus other than that, let's, we got, we're going to stay here the whole season. I mean, my goodness, it doesn't matter. And so that was something I should say we talked about. And so he looks back at me and he goes, dad, that's a really good bull. And I'm like, well, what's like, what do you mean to myself? And he's just standing there. And so I thought, well, you want me to work him? And he goes, yeah, work that bull. So I go back and I start working him through the slow play. And I, when I'm slow playing a bull, you got to understand when, when you're doing this sequence, it's not three cow calls, rake, stomp, pant, glunk. No, no, you're mixing it up. You may go through this little sequence for two minutes and there's no glunks, just pants. And you keep mixing it up. Doing it. Next thing you know, you're throwing a few glunks, no pants. Or vice versa, or mix them up and do them both. And you play the game, and you got to think like a bull. You guys have heard bulls before. Think like an elk. Don't start going rah, 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 getting crazy with it. Just be mellow with it. Have some of your volume go up, some of it down, some of your 
And then Sim just kind of, you know, just whine, moan. You're just, you're, you're excited over your situation. This is what elk, real elk do. They are flesh and blood. They're not just on full tilt all the time. And so I played that out, played that out. Well, the next thing you know, I hear this bull bugle. He just screams a bugle. He's calling the cow. I was right after one of my cows. Down, and he just, and I know he's trying to call the cow over. And when he did, I was like, this guy is standing in the middle of this opening. He's really cut some distance down. And now I'm looking back, and I'm probably 20 yards from Paul, and I, he's not even looking at me. And I see him pulling an arrow out of the quiver. I'm like, no way is he going to shoot this thing. Can't. We've been here 20 minutes. I mean, we haven't even hunted yet. And he, I see him knock the arrow. So I thought, well, I'll slide back a little bit more. And I start going through some of those. I, I start going through a little bit of the glunking pan. And I'm amping it up a little because this bull bugle pretty healthy right here. And so I'm thinking the next time he bugles, I'm cutting him off. And so I start going through it, going through it. And I decide to give him two or three of the contact buzz. Now the bull cow that is mine is calling this other bull over and that's what she's doing. So I kind of hit this. And that's the, that's the cow telling the bull, come on over. She's encouraging him. I mean, really encouraging with high demands. And when I did that bull just went nuts. And as soon as he did, I cut him off. And when I cut him off, he cut me off again. And this time I hit him with a couple of grunts and I screamed right over the top of him. And all I could hear was just, running right at me and, and he runs to the edge of the timber and i mean i'm right behind my son here and i see him come to full draw real quick as he's, this bull's running next thing i know this bull screams a bugle right there he's just standing there and paul is watching him bugle but he said as he came in he was so frontal that he was like god i think he's gonna turn he's not even looking at him he's looking at me he said he's just coming through the timber and now this bull's only 35 yards or so from me he said he's just puts his head down he's gonna work his his horns through the timber coming at you and i'm thinking this bull's walking five feet from me he says and the wind's still in paul's favor he goes i gotta take him right there so he hits him quartering to him just a little bit in the front so he shoots it on the inside of the leg whereas if you look through the animal it has to go through his lung at least one of them and out the other side and that's what the arrow did it hit right there hit him in the lungs clipped the second lung and flew completely through him or embedded into him is what i should say it didn't blow, go completely through him anyway this bull runs off so i get over there and i go what did you get what was it he goes it's a pretty nice bull i said it's 300 then because i still haven't seen it. he goes yeah it's at least that well we get over there holy cow <laughs> you can't pass a 345 4 not on any day <laughs> no so anyway but that's how i slow played this bull and work and push this guy for like 10 minutes until I finally decided, okay, I'm going to see if I can call him back. And so that is how dynamic that slow play can actually be right there. Is is showing how, you know, in a situation where I didn't even try to call this bull at first. So when you guys go out there this year and, and, and you want to try this, all you have to do is no elk are in the area. If you don't hear anything, just get close enough to to display that you have a cow coming into heat and the cool thing is like i mentioned is you're not even talking to any of the other elk nothing you're talking to this cow be one cow one bull you don't need to represent four cows there and one's high you don't need any of that crap just one-on-one -on -one. it's easy to remember easy to do and for all these guys out there that have the app or want to get the app a lot of this is on it, but I'm actually adding the slow play in a, several versions in case a bull's doing this, this, or this. 
pick your medicine you think that's going to work for you, but basically they're slow plays for, for different uh, situations that you might come across because it's not just for one thing. It can apply to, to different things. So for anybody that might be interested in it, not just trying to you know push the app, but that information is going to be there, and I'm actually going to have a video clip of how I set up and those exact sounds that I'm going to go through in, in, in addition to the written content. So hopefully this will help you know a bunch of other people uh, 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 fill a tag. And what's so nice about this, if you really stop and think about it, you could be in some of the heaviest hunted areas. And these sounds that you're emitting, they really can't be heard over 150 yards hardly by the human. I mean, you're so it's not nothing ringing out and, and letting everybody know what you're doing or that you're even there. What's 150 to us is 350 to an elk. They could hear that easily, but people can't. So if you're hunting a lot of pressured areas, but you know elk are there and they're just not saying much, pull this out right here. And this is what's going to target bulls. And that's why when we're hunting, that's why, like I said, I was honest about it. I don't use blind or cold calling. I don't use the creative cow calling sequence. And even if you throw a bull sound, I don't like doing that because it targets too many of the cows and spikes. And even the little dink raghorn, two by three, three by fours, it targets those. And so by 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 putting this other sequence out there and showing the cow coming in heat, man, the cows could really care less about it. Yeah, there's elk over there, but it really trips the bull's triggers. It really does. It they're the ones that usually want to come in. And I'm telling you, over ninety percent of the time, it's going to be the bull that, sh that shows up right there. And so that's what re it's really nice, especially if you're working a bull with a single bugle. He's lethargic. That bull Paul killed with the long bull, all we heard was his one bugle. That was it. One bugle. And we moved in, got within a I tried to get closer, but I could only get two hundred yards because the willows were too thick and he was right in the middle of the willows. I couldn't get any closer. So I pulled him out of there. But anyway, I know I get rattling on with all this oh, stuff here. But. <laughs> so much good stuff, Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there to think about, consider, to practice. We certainly appreciate you sharing the time and experience with us. My pleasure. Any day. There you have it, guys. It's easy to see why Paul is one of our favorites. Hope you enjoyed that one, whether it was your first time listening to it or something you had to listen to again now. We will be back with another show tomorrow as we continue this series, picking some of our five favorites. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the show description and click that giveaway link so you're entered into that. Talk to you soon.